How are you guys doing? Welcome over here. Hey, my name is Robert Turkey. This is Speak the Truth. If you guys are new over here, this is the YouTube channel. I, I will say this. I know it seems like it takes an extra day. And the reasoning for that is, is YouTube actually takes an entire day or two to literally approve the videos to go live. Every one of the videos has to actually be manually reviewed. And the one from yesterday has already been viewed by four people at YouTube. It tells me how many people viewed it. And not a single person, I guess, out of those four has been able to make the judgment call if the video is okay to go live or not, which is kind of funny because every time it gets reviewed, sometimes, I mean, I, the, I have actually had one take 12, 15, 13, 14 times. I, I mean, that's not uncommon being literally viewed by that many different people, but it is kind of funny because every single time it, it gets in the review process, they always get approved. So I, I, I asked one of them why, what the reasoning was, and, and that's why we actually took the, the intro out because they thought maybe it was the intro. You never can get a, they never give you an, an actual reasoning as to why videos need to be approved. They're just kind of like, well, maybe it's your intro or it could be the other 40 minutes after the intro. I, we have no f-ing idea, but I'm just like, oh, okay. So if you're wondering, that is exactly why we're going to do some more of those, uh, uh, reacting videos as well. Those ones did really well. So we're going to do another one of those here. I'll probably do another one today. Honestly, if I get some time kind of been a little bit busy. Guggen uncut is going to be actually switched to, it's going to be called, uh, uncut outdoors because you guys didn't know we did launch that it did absolutely phenomenal you guys crushed it and crashed the site literally but we're gonna actually rebrand it to uncut outdoors myself and flair if you guys didn't know we started the whole thing uh mainly because uh, due to censorship and, and what they do on the on the big tech anyway and a lot of you guys have followed us over there way more than i actually anticipated if if, if we can actually grow it even larger my goal is to bring on more and more and more creators that are in the outdoor industry itself and i actually have one that we are going to be bringing on and we're going to be paying them to generate exclusive content just for that app. And we're hoping to launch the new rebranding within the next couple of weeks. We're kind of waiting on Apple and Google to allow us to rebrand the app because we actually launched it as Google Uncut and then we changed it because of, well, some reasons. But one of the main reasons is, well, if I want to bring on more people, I don't think it should be called Google Uncut. It's going to be called Uncut Outdoors. And uh, a lot of people actually like that idea. And it's not going to be changing the amount of money that it costs a month. A lot of people don't realize it's only 10 bucks a month and it's actually way more than just a video platform. Flair and I are actually on there constantly talking to people. So if you guys haven't checked it out, it's actually still called googanuncut.com. Just go on there, look at it. And me and Flair post the most random shit on there you could possibly imagine. Like more than we're allowed to post on the internet. If you were like wondering what goes on inside of Flair and I's head, we post it on there. And it's all, it's kind of goofy. I mean, I posted a video the other day, literally me in a casino gambling. We filmed it. We got in trouble for filming, but we did it anyway. But anyway, doesn't really matter. We'll kick it off with our good friend, oh Joe Biden. Joe Biden's doing Joe Biden things. Hope you guys are excited for this one. We've got a handful of topics to talk about, which I'm I love. I love these kind of episodes where it's just a mixture of random stuff. We take flights across the U.S. and sometimes overseas. So, out the gate, Joe Biden's economy is heading in the wrong direction. Apparently, is what this thing is stating. Economists have polled that expect that between July and September, America's economy has grew at the slowest pace since the recovery has began. Yes, you you heard me vocalize that the slowest pace since the recovery has ever began. An annualized rate of two point seven percent and a massive step down from the six point seven spent. Uh, that happened the rate in spring and which is kind of crazy because this should be the time that is actually exploding in growth because they forcefully shut down everything last year so everything should be exploding with growth like the numbers like or it should be actually skewed in a sense it's it's actually not even real growth because last year you know what i mean the growth wasn't really there so there should be phenomenal growth this year but since we have literally an incompetent person in charge of this country. We are sat at or sitting at currently like a 5.3% inflation rate, 
which as we do know is costing the average American currently 175 extra dollars a month to live due to higher gas prices, food prices, and everything else. But the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta says uh, the GDP now model looks even more in a dire, projecting an annualized growth rate of only 0.5% in third quarter. I got to send Cammie a text real quick. I told her I didn't like this coffee stuff that she put in, and now it's kind of growing on me as I've been drinking it. So I got to let her know. Yeah, she put some, she put pumpkin spice in my coffee, and I was like, at the beginning, I drank half of it, and I was like, man, this isn't, I don't really like it. I told her that. She's like, oh, I thought it was pretty good. And I'm like, Damn, now I know why all these girls go to Starbucks with their boots on and get their... It's really damn good. Kind of tastes like a pumpkin pie every drink. Joe, I just got a message. Economic recovery at just at... What did it say? Recovery slowing to to 2% in third quarter. That literally just came across my market watch screen. Anyway, Washington said it will work with ports to resolve shipping backlogs with sounds of promising. But right now you have $24 billion worth of goods that are floating on container ships outside the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach. $24 billion. Billion. That's billion with a B. And I promise you, I am one of the individuals has... I, I promise you, I have I have stuff that are actually sitting there floating in those containers. I know this for a fact. <laughs> The, the amount of stuff that we have backlogged that we say we ordered stuff, not even from China. Like I'm not even talking about just ordering stuff from China. I'm talking about it from anywhere. We get a lot of our products manufactured all over the world, like literally everywhere. Like in us is being one of them, by the way, but I'm talking about like when, like if you order a piece of fabric to get sewn up, for instance, say this shirt, a lot of the times, a lot of these shirts are made in like Bangladesh or Taiwan or somewhere else. Like they're just made, so they literally are made somewhere else. It's because that's all they do is manufacture shirts that are cut up. Like I'm just using this as a reference. So if you order those from from overseas, have them shipped here to then be printed in the United States, which is exactly what everybody does, by the way. That's where we're running into about a, a bunch of issues. So. Also, the U.S. industrial production has actually declined in September by 1.3% as manufacturers struggled with shortages of materials and qualified workers. So that was one of the things I was saying. Getting stuff imported in the United States to then manufacture products is is, is kind of what I was getting at with the whole t-shirt reference. I just use this as a, a thing for you to understand. U.S. job openings spiked to a record 11.1 million in July as companies across the sectors were looking to staff or to to staff up to help meet the surge in consumer demand. So they couldn't actually get people to work, which we already know why. Rising wages are definitely good for consumers. It says this on here, and I and I had to actually write what what are they talking about? Rising wages are good for consumers. Rising, like if you say that, like say that, you know, rising wages are good for consumers. How is rising wages good for the consumer? Can anybody explain this? Does anybody that understands economics want, like at all, understand that how, Charles, how does rising wages, how are they good for consumers? Can you explain this to me? Price of goods is just going to go up. Okay, so what he said was the price of guns are going to go up. That's that. that, Oh, goods. I was like, okay, so that's that's the reference he used. Yes, your price of goods will go up. And that's why I don't really understand how rising wages are definitely good for consumers. The rise of, Wages are good for the person that is the worker, but the consumer, which is the worker, which then turns your, your price of goods are always going to go up if you increase the, the price of what you're paying somebody. Anyway, inflation kept hitting new highs in June, July, and September. Consumer price inflation stood a 5.4% year over year, a 13-year high. Another inflation measure, the price index that tracks consumer spending rose to 4.3% year over year in August, a 30-year high. So there you go. There's how 
Joe Biden's economy is going in the correct direction for Republicans in 2022, but the wrong direction for the country overall. I like how I transitioned that. Like, that was pretty good. That was pretty, pretty good. All right. So Biden more. I love it. Just keep on, keep on trucking on here on a Thursday. So when President Biden claims that his 3.5 trillion social infrastructure bill will cost zero. Yes, we've all heard this touted a few separate times, which here recently he's been caught driving cars on stage that are actually not there and shaking people's hands who do not exist. That's something that's been happening here recently. So since there is no way the government can spend trillions of dollars without hiking taxes or increasing borrowing for both, which there is indeed a price tag, as we all do know, he tweets this, by the way, this is, this is from Biden. It's simple. A teacher shouldn't pay higher tax rate than an oil company. He's again wandering off the truth track, which we all know, since the average teacher earns 31000 a year. And since the income tax rate at that level is 12% compared to the current corporate tax rate of 25%. How can you tweet that out? How can you actually say that publicly saying that, that uh, a teacher shouldn't be pay, paying a higher tax rate than an oil company? That's the teacher's actually literally paying half the tax rate. And even at half the tax rate, even though they are taking money from the teachers, the amount of money that they're paying is not even a, I'm not even going to say not to be rude or belittle a teacher or anybody. I'm just being honest. 12% of 31,000 compared to 25% of how many hundreds of millions of dollars? Not really comparable. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who we all know is a beautiful Democrat from California, apparently missed the talking point memo on Sunday when she was talking to CNN. Uh, She says, we will probably have a wealth tax. And then minutes later on the same show, Yellen contradicted the speaker, explaining that it is not a wealth tax, but a tax on unrealized capital gains of exceptionally wealthy individuals. If you guys do not know what unrealized gains are, this is going to hit you smack dab in the face and make you wonder if these people have any understanding of investments and or what's going on in really the world of what, what people do with their money. Yellen said further, it would help get a capital gains, which are an extraordinarily large part of income of the wealthiest individuals. That could be pretty false. Here we go. She is right. That realized, 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 very key term there. Realized investment gains indeed pump up income for well-off people, but the IRS already gets at, which they do. They get at gains that are taxed, uh, taxing on those that are winnings from stocks that are assets that are sold. But they're talking about unrealized, unrealized gains. Unrealized, which means they already hit us with like a 33% tax or whatever it is, depending on how much you make on a realized gain, depending on how long you hold it. The truth is that Democrats are actually battling each other over Biden's bill and the fact that voters are not on board with spending trillions and on top of the five trillion they've already spent for COVID, which is, like I said, increased everything when it comes to inflation, sitting at currently just over 5% when it's normally, if you guys don't understand understand this as well, inflation is usually between like 2 and 3%. Now it's sitting at double, almost some, some sometimes almost triple, costing the average American just at over $175 a month. And that was actually fact-checked, by the way, when I was looking this morning. There was actually somebody uh, out of Austin who went back and actually there was a, a, a congressman who was talking about, oh, it's costing 175 And they said, it is true. <laughs> it is true. So there you go. I love this. I'm having a good time this morning. I, I've been having terrible drainage in my face, in my, in my nostrils. I think allergy season's upon us, clearly. Pop me an allergy pill, and it's starting to, I, f- I feel good. I feel like I could run through a wall right now, which we all know what's going to happen here in a little bit. I'm going to hit a wall. 
And I'm just gonna. Yeah. Anyway, where the fuck was I going with that? <laughs> China. Oh my gosh, my favorite, favorite, favorite people. China. That'd be the Chinese, not China itself. China's a country, by the way. General Mark Milley, our man Mark Milley, is the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, as we all do know, was the first Pentagon official to confirm the nature of the test this year by the Chinese military. It was reported as a nuclear capability of hypersonic, yes, hypersonic, not, not anything else, but hypersonic weapon that was launched into space and orbited Earth entirely one time, one time before re-entering and then gliding towards the target in, in, in China is a real thing. So it literally flew around the fucking world. Like, flew around. It went out of the fucking like, out of China, into the fucking space that we don't know what's really out there, circled planet Earth, entered back through the fucker, and then went to China again. That's wild. Let that sink in. Circled the entire fucking planet. Ah, that's wild. Milley said that he could not discuss details because the aspects involved in the classified intelligence. And he said the United States is also working on a hypersonic weapon whose key features include flight trajectory, speed, and maneuverability that make them capable of evading early warning systems that are a part of U.S. missile defenses. So we're basically trying to create a missile to get past our own defenses, which means I would assume, I mean, we're, we're just nothing more than an arms race again with, with another country. That's it just a, History repeats itself. It's now 2022. Last time we did this was in, I think it was 1956, 57, I think is what it was, when Russia shot their first satellite into space. 57. 1957, the Soviet Union stood in the world as what we saw was a very significant event of a test of hypersonic weapon system. That is very concerning, he said, Millie. So China has also disputed the Western news reports at its test saying it was working on technology for a reusable space vehicle for peaceful purposes. What in the actual, what, what would you need to make a reusable space vehicle? What does that even mean? Yeah, we wanted to make a new uh, a bus that travels around the fucking world really fast and then comes back, in, comes, comes back to China for peaceful purposes. Okay. This is coming from the same communist dictatorship that doesn't allow people to have certain babies for a certain amount of time. And can we just throw it out there? 100% the coronavirus came from China, not lobsters out of Maine. If you guys listen to yesterday's episode, you know what I'm talking about. All right. So Taiwan's president. Yes, Taiwan's president. As we all know, I have stated, well, this, I stated this probably a month ago. We, we have military personnel there training and they finally came out and said, yes, we do. A small number of U.S. forces are in Taiwan to train the Taiwanese soldiers, confirming the presence of U.S. troops on the self-governing island that China considers its own. We all know this, and I probably told you guys it's probably a set of, I don't know, if I was a gambler, man, it's, I don't know if it's, if it's Marines, it's probably a MARSOC group over there training them, or if it's the Army, it's probably a Special Forces ODA group just training. That's what they do. It's not really that far-fetched. There's probably 20 of them over there, max, maybe less could be like 15 but those 15 men can train the absolute well they could train the, the how can i say this without being blurt i can't they can train the absolute fuck out of some people tensions between taiwan and china were were actually not ruled out the fact that they think that taiwan can actually take the island by force or excuse me that china could take taiwan by force have escalated in the recent weeks as beijing raises military and political pressure so they actually taiwan for some reason is thinking that china would take their country by force by entering the beaches, which to me doesn't seem like a very feasible option in today's day and age. Cause maybe back, let's say 
I, we'll, we'll just use World War II, for instance. Stuff still happened back then pretty quick. It really did. Say Hitler took over France or wherever he took over, we'll just say that. I, I mean, we didn't counter them for a couple of years, but what I'm, I'm trying to say is someone was able to counter them in that region fairly quick. Nowadays, if it were to happen, we can counter them within minutes. Like, we're going to know instantly because of social media and this, the internet. They'll know within minutes and they can actually do a counteroffensive fairly quick by air. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. She was actually asked how many U.S. Subaru members were actually deployed in Taiwan. She said it was not as many people as you thought. And like I was saying, it's, it's going to be like very minimal amount of people. So China's foreign minister spokesman, Wang Wenbin. Wang himself or herself uh, goes on to state that the Taiwan independence is a dead end and there will be also no turning back for those who support it when he was asked about the comments. He goes on to also state this, the U.S. should abide by the one China principle. And he also said that adding that the United States should cease military and official interactions with Taiwan, which we do know that it's not going to happen. We're not going to stop helping Taiwan whatsoever. It's just not going to happen. For one, Biden can't lose this because right now he's plummeting in the polls. I mean, like plummeting. So he cannot lose this right here or he's going to look even worse, which at this point, he shouldn't care about poll numbers. And the reason why I say this is the guy's a one-term president. You should not care about your poll numbers. You should actually do something good. And right now, good is spending roughly one point. It's actually going to end up being about $1.5 trillion is what they're going to end up spending, I think. Which we're going to talk about that right now. If you guys who don't know, we actually, like, it's, it's kind of a good thing. We won a little bit here. The, the more conservative side of the, the aisles won a little bit. And progressives are actually getting a little bit irritated because we inflicted a little bit of, not even us actually, their own party. They've been arguing within their own party for the last month, and they just, they were finally actually starting to shred some fat off this thing. Another liberal dream has sacrificed in the cause of saving Joe Biden's presidency. That's how this thing starts off. I love when they start things off like this. The Democrats ditched paid family leave on Wednesday for their vast social safety net program, and yet another to cave to Senate moderates, dealing with a shattering blow to the House progressives. So, pretty much in that sentence, who cares about everything fucking else on who took the blow and who did what? That could actually go different ways. But it doesn't really matter. No more paid, pay, or paid family leave. Cool. Which I was all for anyway. Get that shit out of there. The latest jolt to the sweeping bill, removal of measures on tuition-free community college and climate. Two campaign priorities for Biden last year. We all knew that he was not going to be able to actually... This, this, is, this is the funniest thing about these kind of campaign promises that get the younger voters, it, it, it kills me. It's so funny. All the ones that voted for Biden, mainly because they wanted free college and they wanted their tuition uh, paid back. Like, like what, what is it called? When they're actually promising that the American people, the taxpayer dollars are actually going to pay back other people's tuition, the debt that they took on. It's always funny to me that people actually vote for that. Like thinking it's going to happen. We know it's not going to ever get passed. Like why you continue to vote for it? Pay back your own debt. I'm not going to pay it. So goofy. Anyway, a bipartisan push for police reform in the wake of George Floyd's murdered fizzle. Also, several modern Democrats are baking, are balking, excuse me, baking, are balking at the challenging filibuster rules to pass voting rights and election overhaul to respond to an anti-democratic power grabs in Republican-led states who will make easier to interfere, blah, 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 in raising the federal minimum wage. What they're trying to say here is, you know what we're trying to do? When it comes to anti-democratic <clears throat> power grabs and Republican... Le- you know what they're talking about? Having people use a fucking ID to vote. That's it. You have to have an ID to get on a fucking airplane? 
You have to have an ID to get a bank account. You have to have an ID to, to do literally to drive a car, to get a home loan, to have a gun. And what else do you need a ID for, Charles? To get into a titty bar? Like, I, there's so many things you need an ID for, but you don't need to have an ID to vote, apparently. And that's anti democratic and voter suppression. You know how fing stupid that is when you say it out loud? I have to have an ID to get in a, in a, in a titty bar, but I don't have to have an ID to vote. Yeah, that probably made some of you laugh, but it's true. So, big thing here is it goes on states, pretty closest thing out. This is where you get your, your agenda here. If Democrats cannot show their own voters that they are able to wield power, they, they were granted in 2020 to forge meaningful change or hopes of a strong turnout from the base in next year's midterm elections can be dashed. We already know that. They're not going to win in 2022. It's going to be an absolute slaughter fest. They're going to lose 35 to 40 seats. Republicans are going to have control again. And then going into 2024, they're going to get absolutely crushed. That's what I, I, I think is going to happen. And I do say this. I don't really want Trump to go. I want DeSantis. Or DeSantis Trump. Imagine this. Imagine we had Trump DeSantis for four years. And then we had DeSantis somebody else. And then DeSantis somebody Oh, God. Imagine the next 12 years in America. That'd be great. So New York has actually done some good stuff. Chicago should actually do what New York has done. I'm going to say this right now. I, I would actually... I, I, I wouldn't have thought I would be saying this, but they've done a pretty good job in New York when it comes to crime over the last year. But they've also put some stuff into... I had to do a little bit of research as to why that was. And I was like, hey, I was actually fairly, fairly actually pleased with what they've done, especially if you live in New York. So as of Wednesday, if you guys do not know, the 65% of the city firefighters and 75% of police officers had received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. And if you guys know it's coming up here on Friday. Uh, they're going to lose uh, the rest of those. So you're looking at what, 25% of police officers and 35% more firefighters if they don't get their first dose by Friday. The mandate will take effect Friday at 5 p.m. after a judge in Staten Island on Wednesday denied a request by the city's largest police union to block the city's requirement on those people getting a vaccine by Friday or they're going to lose their job. I believe they said they were going to go on un, unpaid leave, I think. They weren't going to fire them, but they were just going to get rid of them and not pay them. I think that's what it was. For the, which is kind of crazy because for the last 20 months or so, no one can deny that New York firefighters and New York City's first responders and essential workers have been in the front and center of the entire pandemic. And now we're talking about right now three ways that we've been through and we're given nine day deadline to decide on whether or not they're going to accept the vaccine. And they're not even they're not even saying that they're anti-vaccine. They said that they're actually anti-mandate, which is kind of crazy. The same people for the last 20 months that actually been helping everybody through the pandemic are now going to lose their job. Because of a political stance that was taken by a guy that made sure they get paid. It's just kind of funny how everything gets switched around to meet a political agenda. Because that's the only reason why they're doing this. Let's be real. Everything's been decreasing. I mean, everybody knows this. Everything's been decreasing. Literally everything has been decreasing. Oh, matter of fact, talk about decreasing. I think I actually saw something I want to talk about. Yeah, this right here. So while many parents in the U.S. are waiting eagerly for emergency authorization of COVID-19 vaccine for younger children... A new study actually finds that majority of parents don't plan to get their kids vaccinated right away. Only 27% of parents in the Kaiser Family Foundation survey said that they would actually vaccinate their children as soon as it becomes available. 27% of people said that they would actually do it. So you're looking at what? 70, 73% of Americans wouldn't get their kids vaccinated once it comes available. Meanwhile, more data from the Kaiser Foundation reveals 43% of Americans say they have more or less returned to their normal pre-pandemic lives. And I know that for a fact. Here in Texas, 
I've traveled all over the United States. Actually, matter of fact, I've actually traveled out of country now during the, what we'd call coronavirus. And I'll tell you this, nothing, even when I was in France, the only thing that's really changed is them forcing you, which is the weirdest shit ever, forcing you to show a passport looking thing on your phone so you can eat in a restaurant. But once you get in the restaurant, I had certain restaurants I wanted to, I would say 50, 50, none of this wait staff and nobody inside the restaurant was wearing a mask. None. Like you can enter without a mask and you can sit down. Some actually didn't ask for the, the passport thing, depending on where you were mainly in Paris. They did, but in the smaller cities, no one wore. It's like, it's kind of interesting to see it. Cause I saw a lot of stuff that was posted from a little bit more right, right wing people matter how Paris was in an uprising. And then I get there and like, no one really cares. It's pretty much the same. Like down here in Texas, no one cares. I think they kind of got to the point to where it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, or whatever you are, kind of all the same at this point. No one, no one cares about this, this mask or in what, what, what side of the aisle you're on. It just, it just, it is what it is. You don't ask somebody what to, to put it on. No one, no one expects you to put it on if you don't want to. All right, here we go. Move on. You ready? I'm excited. We're going to move on to uh, the piece that I was just talking about, how I was actually uh, proud of the NYPD. This is actually stats directly from the NYPD. This isn't like a outsourced thing. This is directly from them. And I will give them credit. Chicago needs to do what NY, the NYPD has done. And you would expect the NYPD to honestly not be able to be very proactive towards crime because of the heads that run the actual city itself. But in a sense, you got to think about it like this. A person cannot run and rerun for office in a city that is crime just infested. Like, cause you're being elected in by the people of the city and the people of the city, they feel scared. They're not going to want to stay there. And that has to do with tax reasons too, or excuse me, not tax reasons, but the amount of income they can take off taxes. That's, that's what always kind of confused me about Chicago itself. They have 87,000 people leaving Chicago every year right now. That's a lot of people. You know how much tax revenue that is? And that's one of the, 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 the brokest cities when it comes to budgeting, like they have the most piss poor budgeting ever. Literally one of the, the most piss poor budgeting cities is actually losing 87,000 people a year. You know how much money in tax revenue that is? Cause their tax rates is absolutely asinine. And I, and I know there's some of you guys who get, give me more, but it's Illinois. I say Illinois. I don't, I don't know how else you put it's, it's, it's actually Illinois. I put the S at the end, I guess. Anyway. Kick it over to New York. Here we go. This is what they said. For the month of September in 2021, the number of murders and shooting incidents once again declined in New York compared with September of 2020. Murder decreased by 22%. Now, these numbers don't seem very high, but when you put them in a percentage, that's a pretty high percentage, actually. They had 46 versus 59 in last year. So that's good. So I guess roughly 25 people less were killed, which is always good. While shooting incidents also decreased by 93 there were 393 gun arrests for the month of September 2021, bringing the total number of gun arrests in 2021 to 3,425. That's a 20, almost a 21% increase compared to last year. And the reason why that is such a big deal, that's a, that's a good number. That's a good I'm not saying that there's more guns, like illegal guns inside of New York. That means they're being proactive to find the criminals that actually have those guns. So that is a very good stat. I mean, I mean if you, if you put firearms in a person's hands that's not supposed to have them and they're illegal in the first place, they're more, uh, more inclined and more likely to commit a violent and or a, and just a criminal act in general. So it's very, that's a very good, they've done a very good job. 
<clears throat> the overall index in, in New York has actually increased by 2.6% in September, but it all, that's, in, that's everything. Is that, this, is, this is everything. Burglary saw a, uh, almost a 15% decrease. Felonies assault has increased by 19%, which I don't really understand that one. Robberies also increased by 6%, and the overall increased is actually over 2020 is actually just 0.2%, so it's almost exactly the same. But they seem to actually have have helped a little bit on the, the really violent, deadly crime that they have there in New York, which I think they've done a great job. I don't know what's going on with the felonious assault. That's 20% increase. I don't really, I don't really understand that one. Anyway, the reduction in violence during September 2021 is part of a growing trend that carries over from December 2021. Uh, they're focusing on drivers of violence. These takedowns are precision policing at work. They, they're actually guess they're pres- like they're going after certain things, very precise things. That's exactly what this is saying, I guess. And they're part of a larger comprehensive strategy to curtail gun violence across New York that also includes working with community leaders uh, and partners, addressing local concerns and implementing intelligence-driven plans. Intel-driven plans. There you go. Take that, Chicago. Learn from it. Police Commissioner Dermot Shea. Dermot Shea. I think I'm saying that correctly. It also requires a fully functioning court system and meaningful consequences that send a clear message to those who would pull a trigger, expect to be caught, expect to be held accountable. That's phenomenal. There you go. That's, that's pretty crucial, though. You have to have an actual functioning court system. If you're going to hold these people accountable for doing criminal acts, then I guess they have been, which is phenomenal. So there you go, New York. Give you a clap. And the reason why I brought that up is for the fact that they've done so well on on countering criminals or just criminal acts in New York. And now they're about to lose 25% of their police force going into Friday. And I believe, actually, let me scroll back. I believe that their plan, listen to their plan on this, by the way. I think it was at the bottom. Oh, here it is right here. They're working on a contingency plan. This is what it is. They're going to ask vaccinated NYPD officers to work overtime and or double shifts. That's their plan. It's not to hire anybody else. Because I guess they think that that forcing these people that will get vaccinated is going to have them come back to work. Or what could really happen is those same police officers that you kicked out of over a vaccine mandate from New York could say, screw it, move down in Florida, take the $5,000 bonus that DeSantis has given them, and live in a very, very nice state that's a lot warmer than New York. But if you guys didn't know, a Florida man posted bomb-making instructions online for ISIS here recently. That's pretty interesting. Well, that's He, he got caught, though. I, I don't know how the FBI does their thing, but they do an absolute phenomenal job. And I feel like I'm saying this almost every single episode. They do a phenomenal job. These men and women who work for the FBI find... The, the craziest shit that I just don't, how do they find this stuff is beyond me. They do, a, I don't know. A 29-year-old Florida man has pleaded guilty on money to attempting to materially support terrorism after he posted multiple documents online for ISIS terrorists with instructions on creating homemade bombs. His name is Samuel Baptiste. He's facing 15 years in prison and a $250,000 fine and a lifetime supervised release when he is sentenced in January. What in the world? So in 2016, in November 2016, he uploaded documents entitled Instructions, How to Make a Homemade Pipe Bomb. Pipe bombs? What is he making? Fucking YouTube videos? This sounds like a YouTube video. Improvised Explosive Devices and Improvised Munitions Black Book Volume 1. And it actually shows pictures. The I guess they made a mock-up in New York when they were like during trial or whatever. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, actually. It's got relays. and It is kind of crazy. This kind of stuff, by the way is a lot more simpler to make than people realize. It really is. 
making one of these things or just an improvised explosive device itself is actually not nearly as difficult as you would think. The hardest part is getting the actual thing to make it go boom. Not like not the actual like if you were to look at this, a lot of people wouldn't understand. They got a timer, battery, and a cap, and and all this. It, like the actual components of the the bomb itself to make the outer casing and to make it go off is actually fairly like simplistic. And I know this because in Afghanistan, these guys can make IEDs and bombs themselves out of the most simple stuff ever. We're talking like radio wire from a car. Essentially, you know, like the really tiny gauge wire, two pieces of sheet metal, not even, it doesn't have to be sheet metal, but very thin pieces of metal. I know this is not going to help anybody make a bomb, but this is how we'd find these things all the time. Imagine like a, like a yellow gas jug filled with homemade explosive. That's the hardest part. The piece that you put inside of there, all that stuff. That's the kind of stuff that's, you can't really, it's not readily accessible, but like the other stuff would be connected to a battery and or a timer. So like a timer would be connected but the way that the circuit would be completed, and that's the most important piece, is completing the circuit to make it go off on an IED like that, which we ran over multiple of them and that we'd step on them and whatnot. But they would take these two metal pieces like this, and to complete the circuit, they got to be touching, correct? How did we even get on the subject? But anyway, they had to be touching, and they would put these, like, it didn't matter what in between, something that would, let's just say, pieces of, I don't, I don't know what you would want to put in there, but... Something that's not a semi, it's, it's not a conductor. And once you would step on it, it would crush it. And then you would complete the circuit and would go off. That's how like simple it would be like super simple. I remember one time my first patrol over there, literally my very first one, we drove over one and the thing was frozen solid. So it never went off. And then later on the day, it finally went off and killed like 20 people. So. Anyway, that piece right there was not to explain how to how to make IEDs. The crazy part is, is he was he, he put the the ingredients to make it. That's the tough part. Like everything else is actually really easy. Relays and, and and stuff like that is not it's not complicated. So this is actually pretty big. This is I I, I think I said this at the very beginning of this podcast when we first started this about Afghanistan when ISIS and all them they're going to be coming back at some point and 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 unless leaving there was a terrible idea. I mean, I, I know this for a fact. Like Bagram, we should have never left Bagram. I say that a hundred times, a thousand times, doesn't matter. We should have never left Bagram. We just should have never done it. So Islamic State is actually operating in Afghanistan, as we do know. And they may have the capability to attack the United States as soon as six months. That is actually coming from a Pentagon, a senior Pentagon official that told the Senate Armed Services Committee on Tuesday. His name was Colin Call. He said that the U.S. intelligence assesses that the ISIS-K as a group in Afghanistan is called, and I kind of both want to conduct external operations, including against the United States. Neither has the ability to do so right now. But for ISIS-K, they could, gener- they could actually generate that capability somewhat between 6 and 12 months from right now, while it could take a year or two for Al-Qaeda to be able to carry out the same attacks outside of, uh, outside of Afghanistan. It is kind of funny, though, that this is actually coming to light. In, at the beginning of this entire podcast, I said that this was going to happen. They're going to come back. They're literally, if we gave them a breeding ground, to 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 build up terrorism and then to go out and inflict it on the United and the, not just the United States but the rest of the world. When in fact, actually, just yesterday, eleven people were killed in Iraq over a bomb that went off, and then there was another one in Uganda that ISIS also claimed as well, all within the last twenty four hours. And that's what I'm talking about. That's not just the United States that has to reap reap the the consequences of this. It's everybody in the entire world. 
So he goes on to say this, though. Our, it is our assessment that the Taliban and ISIS-K are mortal enemies, which is very true. Very true. And so the Taliban is highly motivated to go after ISIS-K and their ability to do so, I think, is going to be uh, determined. The U.S. intends to disrupt ISIS-K and Al-Qaeda so that they aren't able to strike. Call said, and the drones capable of hitting their targets are being flown into the region. So I guess we're just going to continue to do drone strikes over in Afghanistan, which is not a terrible idea. I mean, I think we need to. It's just the hardest thing about doing these drone strikes without actually being there or having people on ground is your intel is going to be a little shifty. It's not going to be, you're not going to know exactly. I mean, for instance, how many people died? Uh, oh man, I don't remember exactly how many. I think it was 11, including I think it was seven kids. Please don't, don't bash me in the comments because I can't remember the exacts. But remember about a month ago when they thought that they had killed like a big ISIS-K guy and ended up being just a family? That's what I'm talking about. You're going to have those kind of issues spur up because of shifty and not so great intel on the ground because we have no one there. All right, we're going to end on this one. This is that migrant caravan. This is a real thing, by the way. And this is getting even crazier. It's getting super, uh, I'm going to say intelligent, but it is. The caravan is on its fifth day of travel, by the way, having set off from Saturday with about 2,000 migrants, and they're already broken through a line in Mexico interior enforcement. The organizers, the organizers of this thing, this, this caravan, have actually started using QR codes to organize migrants, QR codes. Marking, uh, marking them as the latest attempt to form a caravan of migrants to travel the U.S. border. So the organizer, his name is Luis Garcia, or one of them, said that the caravan is approximately 4,000 strong with more than 400 children between the ages of 7 to 18, 100 babies under the age of 1, and also includes 65 pregnant women, three more, three more than 8 months pregnant, and four are actually wheelchair-bound. That's kind of wild because you guys know how far this is? Just walk. The caravan consists of migrants from Central and South America as well, Haiti and other countries. Some of the migrants are making this journey, having cited that President Biden as their, for making this journey north, which is kind of crazy. Unlike the caravans that made the headlines in 2019, this one will actually take considerably longer. The Mexican government has actually banned all truckers from letting migrants hitch a ride, so they will have to walk the entire 2,500 miles to the Texas border. They're doing some Lewis and Clark now. The Biden administration has blamed root causes in Central America for the massive crisis at the southern border, which saw more than 1.7 million migrant encounters at the border in fiscal year of 2021 and more than 192,000 in just September alone. They also are continuing to blame Trump administration for shutting down legal pathways, to, which to me doesn't make any. How, how, how are you blaming your previous president on current actions? When you've been in office for nine months, that's legitimately the equivalent. I don't how, how do I put this? I can't come up with a good reference, but it's not right. <laughs> we'll just say that. How about that? You can't blame somebody after you've been in office for nine months and you've literally put the vice president, and this is her sole job, her sole task, is the border crisis, and you're nine months deep, and you're still blaming Trump. Yes, I think people can see through it now, and I don't think that really works. I mean, when you have SNL now making fun of President Biden... You literally have SNL. They're the most left as you can possibly get, and it, which sucks. They used to be so funny back in the day. Like, oh my god, I loved them. Now it's just like, it's just not really that funny. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. I got to get out of here. I got a couple of videos I got to film today. Make sure to go check out Google Uncut, which will be on GoogleUncut.com, and then it'll be changed to Uncut Outdoors, and I'll let you guys know when that happens. But as of right now, go to GoogleUncut.com. Enjoy it. Get on there. I'll be on there. I do love you guys. I'm out. See you guys. <laughs>